0: three months off. Welcome, everyone. Thirsty Thursday, number 31. We're back. We've had our summer hiatus um, coming into the spring or into the fall. Um, and we're going to go ahead and kick this the series back off uh, tonight. Um, no real topic, no real direction of where we're going. So if you guys have questions, comments, something you want us to talk about, put it in the comments below. Um, otherwise, sit back, uh, relax, enjoy the ride, because uh, that's what we're going to do. First off, as always, cheers, brothers. Good to see you.
1: Bobby, is that Hawaiian Punch? Yeah, something. Mio. It's exciting Mio. I just got
0: (laughs) (laughs) that. So to uh, to get us kicked off, we'll go around the horn here. uh, Just again to kind of introduce everybody and refresh ourselves. Uh, Ben Waples. Um, a volunteer firefighter uh, captain in Salisbury Maryland, and a firefighter paramedic for the town of Ocean City. Bobby
1: Hey everybody uh, Bobby McGee, Lieutenant Ocean City Fire Department. Uh, been a been a great summer. It's been great to see everybody out not have the big lockdowns going on so it's been uh, very enjoyable. Uh, we've been very busy uh, but it's been good. Uh, we are just like everyone else. We're extremely hard up for help so we've we been hired Ben. Um, so, uh, we'll, we'll see how that all goes. (laughs) And he's on my shift, Trevor. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, welcome uh, welcome everybody. And, uh, (laughs) is that what it was? Oh, you're welcome. I thought you should apologize or something like that, but anyway. Um, so welcome everybody. It's good to see you and and welcome Scott. And uh, I'm going to pass it off to Trevor.
2: Captain in Salisbury, Maryland. Awesome, Bobby. I appreciate it. Um, Everybody, Trevor Steedman here. I used to work with the uh, two miscreants on the upper left hand side of the screen there with uh, Bobby and Ben and worked with them for quite a few decades, actually, and then uh, had to move down here to Florida and take a job. So I'm still on the job with a smaller department down here in South Florida and enjoying life. And for those of you who uh, have viewed these episodes before, welcome back. It's good to see everybody. Hope you had a great summer. And if you're new joining us tonight, uh, you're going to find out they've got a lot of great topics coming up over the last or next couple of months. And sometimes we have the show about absolutely nothing where we just kind of kick around a tailboard or a kitchen table conversation. And uh, other times we'll have very specific topics with the guests that will come on and share some uh, good training and some good nuggets with us. Uh, So with that, I want to introduce our guest tonight who's going to be talking about nothing and everything with us tonight as well. Um, Scott Smith, buddy of mine from Colorado, which I've known for many, many, many years. Um, And we wanted to bring him on. We're actually going to have him on in some uh, future episodes as well. But we figured this would be a great opportunity to kind of bring in some other people from around the country as we get ready to celebrate Labor Day weekend. And, of course, um, some things we'll talk about tonight, the 20th anniversary of September 11th, 2001, coming up. And also some other recent events going on, with the hurricanes and other major events going on around the country. So with that, Scott, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell these wonderful people who you are and how wonderful you are, because you're a (laughs) model.
3: I don't know about that, but uh, hi everybody. I'm Scott Smith, I'm a Lieutenant Paramedic with Cimarron Hills Fire Department out here on the outskirts of uh, Colorado Springs. I started out back East, uh, not real far from Trevor over in Prospect Park, Pennsylvania. So was a volunteer back there and then uh, decided to move out to Colorado and kind of have a backdrop like I've got going here. So as Trevor said, I've known him probably longer than either one of us wants to admit. Uh, we've been running around for a while, so hopefully we'll have a good conversation tonight.
0: Yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Scott, for joining us. Um, so, well, Thank you guys for I, I me. first me. Absolutely. Um, one of the first things to kind of kick things off, um, it is nine days away, uh, but the twentieth anniversary of September 11th. Um, it's hard to believe that it's it's been twenty years ago that that uh, tragic day happened, but um, now we're we're coming up on the twentieth anniversary. So um, let's let's talk a little bit about that, and you know, I know Ocean City. We've got some stuff planned coming up um, to celebrate that. Uh, Trevor has talked or mentioned in the pre-show that they're doing something for, uh, the 11th. So, um, let's, let's, you know, talk a little bit about what we got going on for that and, you know, kind of how we're going to commemorate that day. Uh, Bobby and I were on shift that day we worked. So, um, this will be, this will be my first day or first year, um, you know, as a, as a career fireman on shift. And I I imagine that's going to be a little bit different than it has in the past for me. So, um, Trevor, what, what do you guys have going on? I know you mentioned you've got something, um, some ceremony in down in your town.
2: Well, we do, Ben. Uh, actually, there's a lot of different ceremonies that go on. And our county uh, fire rescue, they do a really nice job uh, with the resources that they have. And every year they do a remembrance ceremony. And this year, of course, being the 20th uh, anniversary of that day, uh, I'm sure they've put just as much, if not more, into it. And in the community that I work in, uh, we decided not that, not too long ago, to have our own and not to take anything away from any of the other ceremonies, but just to really bring together the people of that community, uh, because each one of them has certainly a background and a memory of things. And as one of the people who's going to present or speak, and it's going to be brief if you can believe it or not, um, is, you know, I was re- reflecting on it, of course, with the 20th year coming up. And everyone has their where were you story. And I just, I, you recall where I was, you know, obviously working in Ocean City at that time. And, you know, just a little bit of the the disbelief and how things changed, um, you know, very rapidly and kind of surreally in, in a very short period of time. So with that being said, um, you know, I look at a lot of people who are in the fire service today, and we have our slogans about never forget. Um, uh, we just had a new T-shirt made in in my department, and I we literally had some of the younger folks say, "Hey, what's that three four three thing on the shirt?" And you, know, it's incumbent upon us. Um, you know, I have I have members in the fire service who were born in two thousand one, um, or to you know, to me to some of you we live through it, but to other people these things are a historical footnote. Not that it minimizes it in their mind. I mean, they're not disrespectful of it, but it's not tangible to them. Uh, as it is for us, because we've we lived through it, and I just remember it, you know, it was a Tuesday, beautiful day, uh, not a cloud in the sky, very picturesque, blue sky, probably the bluest I've ever seen, and being 105 feet up in the air on a ladder truck during a Tuesday uh, shift training day at the convention center parking lot, and seeing a police car um, come in, you know, not really sideways, but in a hurry. And motioning for you know, me to come down off the top of the ladder. And it was one of your uh, uh, Delawareans there, Bobby. It was uh, Brazier Lynch. And he goes, hey, he said, did you hear a, a plane just hit the World Trade Center? I'm like, oh, really? No crap. Huh. Because you figured it's a Cessna or, you know, you, did, you, you just didn't have the concept of what was going on. And not long after that, the, uh, you know, the phone starts ringing and the uh, message of gather your crew, get your ass to headquarters as quick as you can. I'll explain when you get here was the next thing so you know we got people whose you know schools are shutting down we don't know what's going on and you know four hours to our north is you know a, a tower that's been hit by a jet and then you know we get to headquarters and of course we have the tv on and you know the bosses are coming in and we're trying to gather information and getting some things from 65th street and we're we literally watched the second plane hit on tv and go oh you know then then it starts to register. And then, uh, you know, two and a half hours to our west you know, where, where the Pentagon gets hit. And then, you know, not what probably geographically, I'm not sure, probably about three and a half hours uh, you know, northwest of us is where um, you know, Flight 93 goes down in, in the field. And then we're hearing all these reports and very, very surreal to go by our Coast Guard station in Ocean City, which was not fenced at the time, which was just kind of an open open air building or open access building and to see all the coast guards, men and women lining the front of the building with ballistic vests, Kevlar helmets and M16s at high port. And you're like, wow, this something is just very, very different today. So I think it, you know, it changed all of us to a degree, but I think it's also incumbent on all of us, um, especially for us living through it, is to make sure that we pass those lessons down of never forget and why it's tangible and our colleagues, uh, and of course, you know, we have stories that can go on and on, but your, our colleagues that we lost that day, some of us had trained with those folks or they were friends of ours um, in the different places. And then you know, certainly uh, notwithstanding, all the folks since then who have died related to that incident, not only civilians, but also first responders from various cancers, from suicides from everything. So that, that incident kind of still plays on uh, even today. So for those firefighters that are the, the younger generations, when we talk about 9-11 and you know, we, we tell them what the significance of those numbers are on that T-shirt, or when we say never forget, we put faces and names to it and why it's important. And just kind of going back um, a little bit on that as well, uh, because I want to kind of pitch this to Bobby with a question, is... To me, it's very similar to what maybe those generations in uh, in World War II during the attack at Pearl Harbor. That's not tangible to me. It's a historical footnote, which I think is a very important one. And the history is there, we respect that history. We, we look at the number of lives lost um, of our American you know, sailors and servicemen uh, from that point forward. And you, know, to me, again, I, I kind of look at this the same way that for our generation, this would be similar to what that generation maybe had experienced. And it's our obligation to actually speak and go forward with it and give them that, a little bit of that history lesson as, as to why it's important to really keep that alive. And I think we're doing a nice job with it, but uh, we also have to realize that we're aging. And again, there's people who, when I read their applications, they were born in the year 2000. And it's like, wow. Wow. They, they have no concept of what this was other than footage. So um, with that, I think it's also important to look at our you know, brothers and sisters in law enforcement, but also in the in the military, because um, as you all kind of remember that iconic picture, uh, it was I've, I believe it was a cartoon that was drawn in a one of the uh, publications. But it was of a firefighter taking the American flag up out of the rubble of the World Trade Center and handing it off. To a member of our military, and you could tell they were in forward motion to go fight terrorism overseas. And Bobby, as a you know, as a veteran yourself, and you know, spending time overseas, you know, probably you know, during some of that you know, pre you know, pre or a pre time, and uh, you know, being able to serve in some of those areas, I think it's important that we remember some of the um, sacrifices that our military has had to make, uh, you know, all over the world on that behalf. So, um, you know, Bobby, if you don't if you don't mind, because I know. For those of you who have, uh, tuned in before and viewed, you know a lot of Bobby's background and uh, in the fire service came from you know his service in the Navy. And again, Bobby, thank you for you know your service and what you've done for us. Um, could you just talk a little bit about how that kind of affected you, not only as a firefighter but as a veteran who served overseas? Yeah, um, I, uh, I I served in
1: the, in the Navy. Uh, my first uh, tour of duty was in uh, Beirut, Lebanon, and um, and the group that relieved us was involved in a barracks bombing, which killed over 400 of our members. Um, and so that's kind of that was the footnote that got me into the VFW and all that stuff. Um, I uh, you know, these guys are going overseas uh, what's, what's unique, I think, compared to what I was in, in a relatively peacetime era. Uh, I was in between Vietnam and the Gulf War. And um, there were guys that were that served with me that were in Vietnam, and they, and they told me all the horror stories about what had happened uh, then. Um, and, and, and Beirut was very unique. We weren't truly involved in the fighting over there. We were very close to it, and it was happening all around us, but it wasn't people shooting at us, I guess you could say. Um, you know, um, and the interesting thing um, about the military is Next year, we're going to have people retiring from the military that joined because of September 11th. And so, you know, first of all, I got to raise my glass because there's nothing more noble in this country than having something like that happen and saying, you know what? I'm going to make a difference overseas, away from my homeland, in scary places. And those guys signed up in droves. And God bless all those guys. You know, for what they did afterwards, because I think they had very similar stories to my friends at Vietnam uh, that that had stories like that. So um, my memory was uh, I I was working at uh, Station 4 in Ocean City uh, on September 11th. Uh, Ocean City had just been voted the All-American City. You remember that, Trevor? Um, And they had uh, banners and flags all over the town. I think this happened weeks before this, didn't it, Trevor? I I think it was very soon before that. And they go around and they vote different cities in every year. We just happen to be the city that year. And, and I remember, just like you did, Trevor, I remember they said an airplane crashed into the World Trade Center. I thought it was a small plane. I looked and you could see the footprint on the building. I said, my God, that's a huge plane. Um, and we were talking about the fire tactics. I mean, that's that's mostly what we were doing was talking about, gosh, you know, this has got to messed up the, the, the uh, elevators. It's got to have messed up the um, standpipe systems, the, all the things that you would talk about as kind of like a firefighter, um, and, and I'll be honest with you. When the second plane hit, I was I was stunned. I couldn't say anything. Um, and for for those guys who are young that weren't around, then um, it really it didn't register right away for me. Um, it was a, it was a period of time where I, I couldn't believe what I had just seen, um, and it took me a while to kind of register. And it was like soon after that, there there the world the uh, the Pentagon got hit, but it was very sketchy. They wouldn't say the Pentagon got hit. They just said a plane went down in D.C. Uh, at some point, they were they were saying that they thought there were 14 missing planes going around at the time, or some some crazy number like that. Um, and we truly didn't we truly didn't know what was going on uh, back then. Um, but now, in, in retrospect, you know, 20 years later, um, I think it's they were line of duty deaths. They were firemen doing fireman things. The building was on fire. Uh, They were doing their best to stretch their lines. They were doing their best to rescue the people out of those buildings. Um, You know, uh, Father Judd was doing his best to comfort the troops when he died in the line of duty. Um, And they were all line of duty deaths. Uh, We just had a line of duty death here in Frederick, uh, not too long ago here in Maryland. And I think it's, it's the same. I think it was just so many of them, it was overwhelming for us, uh, you know, 343, 343 firefighters going a, a, a hand. And, and seeing it on TV and watching those buildings, and for you young guys, uh, they didn't think those buildings were going to fall. The engineers can say what they want to say, but at that point in our thought process, those buildings would never fall. They might burn out the interior of them. they would never fall and unfortunately we were watching tv when one of the towers fell and uh we knew instantaneously that there were a lot of deaths and a lot of firefighters and so just for you younger guys that weren't there um, it was a very um, life-changing thing i think for us Um, what i miss is i missed that togetherness of the country after that event um we really didn't have big political fights back then it was all hands on deck to go find out who did this why they did this and go get them and thank god that was successful um but um i you know i i i served in peacetime and uh, I, I serve in the fire service and i remember and and you know trevor and i've had the opportunity to teach with and and around to be taught by guys from fdny because we're just geographically close to them and they're very open and willing to come out and teach tricks of the trade and all of them new people very well you know all the new people and and you know the other thing that i think we got to give credit to not only the military but those guys in fdny stayed you know they stayed and they stayed fighting fires in that city and they knew the rest of their careers that city was a target you know and, and you know what they, they brought their they put, brought their bunker gear in every shift and they went right back to work and, and, and did their thing again and again and again so I also salute those guys in FDNY that kept coming back to work, you know, and they kept doing their thing and, and helped us in the fire service, teaching us things, uh, um, you know, and on the firefighting side. So, uh, Scott, tell us a little bit about your thoughts about There Little, my friend.
3: Uh, yeah, like you guys uh, echo a lot of your sentiments. Um, I think it truly was a touchstone moment for our generation. Um, like Trevor pointed out, you know, my grandparents – they knew exactly where they were and what they were doing when Pearl Harbor was hit. My parents knew exactly where they were and what they were doing when JFK was shot. And for us, it's nine 11. Um, I was walking out the back door of station seven. I just gotten off shift. My phone rang. My wife said that a tower plane had hit the tower. Just like you guys, I was thinking, Oh, some idiot in a Cessna. So I run upstairs The guys were watching sports center. I changed the channel. I got called a whole bunch of names for interrupting what they were watching until they saw what I had turned it to. Um, we stood there, like I said, saw that hole said, that's no Cessna. We watched the second plane hit. Um, I would say the majority of the crew that day and myself being veterans, we all looked at each other immediately and said, this is terrorism. This is not an accident. Um, we knew bad things were happening right then. Um, Stayed there and watched with the guys a little bit. I drove home, uh, got home with my wife just in time to see the first tower come down. And uh, I broke up a little bit then. Uh, About two, maybe three years before that, I had turned down a job offer from FDNY. Um, Had a kid on the way, couldn't afford to take the pay cut and all that, so I turned it down. But that really, really struck home right then that uh, you know it, it very easily could have been me there And there was no question in my mind that in addition to civilians going down in that tower, that there were firefighters. Um, I think the most chilling sound, and I remember teaching at fire academies for years afterwards, ripping guys anytime they let their uh, pass devices go off. Because every time I heard that, it was just that chorus of pass devices we heard later in the day on 9-11 and nine twelve and all that when they were digging the pile and that's all you could hear was all those pass devices going off i think that's the one thing that that truly sticks in my head is that sound um you know anytime i hear one I, I i see those images so yeah it's you know like you said we got guys coming on now that either weren't born or were just babies at the time and don't understand it and trevor and i were just talking over the last couple days about uh, passing on that institutional knowledge, the things that we know, the things that we've learned, how so often the fire service doesn't pass on that stuff. The generation that experiences it, learns it, knows it, lives it, but we do a poor job of passing it on. And like Trevor said, 9-11 is one thing we can't fail. We can't fail to pass on. We've got to break that chain and make sure all these young guys understand the significance of it. Like you said, I haven't seen any that are disrespectful to it, but uh, my wife just this morning said that, or this evening when she got home from work, said that a young girl that's in her maybe 20s, so probably an infant at the time, um, she said, oh yeah, I've got a real bad 9-11 joke, and my wife, to her credit, didn't just drop her like a bad habit, but said, don't even think about it, you know, And, and I mean, this is a good kid that she works with. Just, I don't, not being exposed to the fire service and not having lived through it, I don't think she really gets what it was, you know, what that means to the fire service and the nation that day. So I think it, like Trevor said, it's incumbent upon us to make sure that we pass this and all the other lessons on.
2: And to that end, Scott, thank you for sharing all that with us. And Ben, you're kind of uh, within our, Group here, you're always that bridge guy um, because you're you're too old to be young and you're too young to be old. So I kind of envy you, to be quite honest with you. But uh, what, what was your experience with it? And then coming up in the fire service, you know, seeing both the people who are you know, senior to you and very junior to you at this point, especially uh, not only as a career firefighter, paramedic, but as an officer in a volunteer department. Uh, how how do you process this, and how do you try to get them to see it through your lens?
0: Yeah, I, I think I'm fortunate in that I, you know, like like you said, I'm kind of like in the middle. Like I didn't have a lot of time in the fire service prior to it, um, and now I've got you know more time after it. Um, I, like like we've said, it's one of those days that you'll never forget. I I was in college. I was it was my first year in college, and I was um, I was actually sitting in a world politics class. And the professor, like, comes in and says, apparently there's a plane that struck the World Trade Center. Uh, we're not real sure what's going on. Um, and we went on with class. I don't remember what we were talking about. Uh, but we, we had our regular class. Um, and uh, after class, I go back to my, my dorm room and didn't have a TV in there. And we went, I went up to a friend's room, and they had one. And I will never forget watching the second plane hit. Um, and it, at, at this point, it was all... Passed like it had everything had already happened. Um, so watching the replay and the plane banking and going behind the, the tower, and I remember thinking, Where the hell did it go? And it wasn't until they turned it around and you saw the view from the other side where the plane struck the tower, and it, and it, then it hit me. It was like, Holy shit! Um, and, and like Bobby said, like and, and Trevor, like you'll never forget, it was a beautiful day. Beautiful day. I walked out of. I had a a class later that, that afternoon. And like, there's no way that could have happened. Come back, get on the computer. And it's like, Holy shit. Like, and, and from that, from that day on, it's been one of those things that, you know, we say we never forget. And it's something that you think about every day. Um, It's something that you like when you, when you go to work, um, you know, even, even in my previous career as an athletic trainer, you know, I knew in September um, you know, it, it's a busy time for us in, in high school athletics. Um, and there was always that week leading up to nine 11 where something like, it just wasn't right. Um, you know, like I, I was off like the evaluations, the patient care, that kind of stuff that, that never changed, but it, like I wasn't at school. Um, I think I always spent more time at the firehouse that, that week. Um, but, but having that, you know, kind of, I don't say it kind of catapulted me into the fire service because uh, I was definitely interested and I was definitely a part of it prior to that. But it, it, it made it that much more important, you know, to watch those, um, to watch the videos and watch the, the documentaries that have come out since about the members that, that the FDNY lost that day and that they're still losing. Um, it, it, it hurts every time. Um, I'll never forget we had, and I'm sure you guys have seen this too, but there was a video that was going around that was recorded by, um, a court clerk, I think a Queens court clerk, um, and, and kind of walking the streets. And like Scott mentioned the past devices, like you hear chirping in the background the whole time. And you're like, if you don't know what it is, like, you're like, Oh, there's something wrong with the camcorder. There's this, it's whatever. But those that know, like, never forget that. And, and now that the sound, now that the past devices has changed, it's not the same sound. Like you still don't forget what that sound is, you know, and even with the new, the new um, alerts that we have, like it's still, um, it's still tough. You know, like you, nobody likes to hear that sound to begin with. Um, but now it, it has more meaning when you hear it. Um, so it was, I would say, like I said, it, it catapulted me. I think, into the fire service um, and, and it made everything that, that I've that I was a part of more meaningful after that.
2: Um. And Ben, I want to swing back to one of Bobby's comments when he talked about the, you know, the FDNY folks. They were they were doing their thing. They were worn up in that building. And one of the things I think that we can impress on some of the people who are younger in the fire service is that that's that's what that's what makes us that's what builds us that's what gives us that um, credibility within the community is that whether it's a 110 story building or a 900 square foot private dwelling we're coming to work um, you know, and there's we're people like everybody else just like the folks working on that day um, you know up in New York they probably came to work that morning not knowing what they're going to get into but they went through their regular routine. They had plans that night, that following weekend, whatever the case is. Um, you know, some of them were having probably uh, problems at home or you know personal issues, like we all do. But we, we have to, we report the work and we do the job. And I think um, you know all of us will always remember the the sights, sounds, and smells. Whether it was you know the um, the, the fighter jets screaming down the coast of Ocean City, and um, not sure where they're coming from, Dover, uh, the toxin. Uh, Naval Air Station or Virginia Beach, wherever, but things like that. Or when we, you know, we go up to just the countless funerals um, up in New York because they're be besides our colleagues and the people that we knew that we went to their funerals. We had, we had so many people from our region that would go up there just to relieve the FDNY folks. Cause they were just overwhelmed. Cause think about that, that the amount of funerals they'd have to go to not only for their own company, their department. And um, you know, the, the, the smell at the trade center site and you know, seeing the pile and talking to some of the firefighters up there and um you know just you know, being being present at that site to say you'll never you'll never uh forget those uh the good things but you don't, you'll never forget the bad things either they're kind of indelibly inked but uh I, yeah, I did want to capitalize on that comment that Bobby had made that they still went to work. Um, that was not a usual day that, that wasn't, uh, I know we say we call that Tuesday. It was a Tuesday, but nevertheless, that wasn't a usual thing in, in our fire service mindset, high rises didn't collapse before that day. We established collapse zones and talked about ventilation at high rises and things falling from the building, but typically it was window glass and not people. Um, you know, so, you know, with, with that being said, I think that you know, there's good lessons and a lot of hard lessons that we can we can pass along. But a lot of that, too, is just uh, it. It doesn't have to be a major life changing national wor- worldwide global event. You know, we, we kind of employ these same strategies and these same mindsets to our everyday work at the fire station. And I think that's really where uh, you know, we can impress upon some of these folks that that's that's where they need to take it and god forbid they ever experience something like that in their lifetime we hope they don't but you know, should they they understand the the qualities that we're expecting out of a firefighter so with that bobby i really appreciate you bringing up that point because i think that was uh very well stated well i
0: i I don't want to minimize this part of the conversation but um you know that 9-11 is something that we that we will remember forever you know the 343 brothers that brothers and sisters that we lost that day and that the over 200 that we continue to lose through everything after that um let's let's talk about some good stuff that just came out from the fdny um right lieutenant retired correction sorry retired lieutenant ray mccormack if everybody's seen any pictures of him recently um he he kind of looks like santa claus holy cow
3: um
2: that, that, that's his new side hustle. He's, he's, Santa, he's going to be Santa Claus's stunt double.
3: I don't know. i see bad Santa considering it's Ray, but you know, it's just me. <laughs>
0: um, but one of the last projects that he worked on prior to his retirement was revising and revamping uh, the FDNY's engine company manual. Um, so recently that's been published for uh, public use and public review. Um, if you guys want to see that, it's on the Strike the Box website. Uh, So stbtraining.com, it's on our homepage, go check it out. It's, um, what is it, Bobby, 255 255 pages, we printed it off the other day.
1: It's enough, I might get a day off of work for printing it all there.
0: (laughs) If you do, let me know, I'll take half that day too. (laughs) Um, But go check that out, it's, um, you know, the comment that, that I put on our, our website about it. And we'll talk about FDNY versus um, East Owl shit, New Hampshire uh, and nothing against New Hampshire communities. Um, but the, the difference between the FDNY and, and, you know, the, the local community, um, all volunteer departments, um, you know, it's a big difference. Not everybody is riding out with four or five people on an engine, six people on a truck, you know, having, you know, Hundred people show up within the first ten minutes, and you can literally stomp out the fire. Um, but um, you know, there is—it's one of the busiest departments in the world, uh, so they probably see a thing or two that and, and do a thing or two that you know can help any department. So go check it out, um, Bobby. Or have you guys had a chance to to look at that document at all?
1: Yeah, I did.
0: Um, it, it's very good.
1: It's, it's laid out very well. It breaks down uh, hose loads and, and, and packs and things like that. It's, um, it, it's actually very, very good. It's good reading. Um, so I think people would enjoy it and it kind of can give you some insight if you're going to do some drills in your firehouses and stuff to kind of see exactly what's going on up there. Um, another thing that happened long before September 11th was we didn't share information like that in the past. Um, this the ability for you to click on and see an operating manual in fdny did not exist 20 years ago um, so uh, we all have the fortune to, to be able to do that now so certainly just click on it read through it it's a pdf file i think one of them. i think yeah and uh you know read through it and, and it's 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 laid out well too so you can figure out if you're going to look for something that's kind of easy to find what you want to get
2: there And Bobby, that's, that's another great point as besides the fact that we kind of came together for a while as a country. And of course, things have become uh, much more polarized since then. But a lot of the, uh, a lot of partisanship just went out the window and it was all about the focus of of us as a nation. And also we kind of did a a good gut check of our fire service too. Because if you think about it, uh, you know, we were people divided by a common language. We we had our silo over here, and if we liked your department, we would work with you on mutual aid, but if we, if you pissed us off the week before, well, you're out, this other department's in. Um, and we had a very linear thought process. And you, know, with that, we, you remember from, uh, Ben, you were in Wicomico County as a volunteer, working in Ocean City, uh, you, we were in Worcester County, and then you have Sussex, where Bobby served as a volunteer as well. We were using 10 codes back then, and each one of our counties, had different meanings to different ten codes, and so you know, that was one thing where we we did a lot of learning, and uh, we you know, we were able to kind of network more as a fire service versus having the us and them mentality. Uh, we also learned to work with our partners in law enforcement, in DOD, and DoD, in all these other areas, um, you know, emergency management, hazmat. Because before, again, it was more of an us and them um, kind of mentality. And one thing I did want to uh, bring up as well. You know, we, we talk about, um, you know, Bobby and Scott, you know, again, thank you all for your services as uh, military veterans for our country. But you know, we, have, we have folks that still serve um, while doing our job as firefighters and paramedics. I saw uh, you know, Chief Black was on a little while ago, um, you know, obviously with military background and not only that, but you know, I remember when we got deployed down to uh, Hurricane Katrina and sharing a, a ride back with them on a, a transport plane, the last person in the world I expected to see. But, you know, we look at people like that or, um, you know, people even from our own state, like Chris Slutman, um, who I believe was killed in 2019. He started out in Maryland, uh, was up there, I believe, in uh, Kentland 33, was on Ladder uh, Company 27 in FDMY and was over in Afghanistan and lost his life over there. So you know, we still have a lot of our folks um, who are either you know still military reserves and National Guard. And it's just amazing to see that um uh, not only that networking, but that overlap that we have in in so many different areas of our service, and again, I think that just speaks to the uh, the willingness for these people to go and serve uh, not only in their home communities, but you know, ser- serving their country at so many different levels. So, you definitely want to thank all those people who uh, you know made made that sacrifice and spent the time away from home, and those who uh, didn't have the opportunity to come home for doing what they've done. Um, you know, so to that end, uh, Ben, I know you wanted to get into a little bit of a discussion i i got some questions for scott there uh he's a little bit difficult to see i want to kind of pivot a little bit uh, again i've known scott for many 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 years uh met it out at fdic and uh you know we could tell those stories on another broadcast but uh scott you're a little bit you're a little bit difficult to see with the backlighting uh you're out there in colorado so it's, it's a beautiful backdrop i i call that the uh the Kevin Costner backdrop. So it's probably not real. He's probably in a one bedroom apartment with no windows. Oh, um, yeah. and that that's the backdrop, but Ben, can you do me a favor for those who are kind of curious as to what Scott really looks like? Um, if you don't mind putting that up for me, because yeah. I, I, te- I tease they're him they're about all... this. This can't be good. Oh, it's not. It's going to, it's going to be a train wreck for you. So. <laughs> yeah, hang
0: on. It's been a while since we've done this. Um,
2: Okay. Well, I'll, I'll keep, I'll, keep busting Scott while you're, while you're working on the AV stuff there, but, uh, here. Yeah. So I always, always said Scott, right. I always said, Scott looked like a, uh, you know, not quite as a skinny as a Freddie Mercury. So, you know, that's, uh, with, with the short hair. So, well, you know, there's FCC rules, so I can't respond appropriately, but, uh, you know. I love you too, man. Love you too, brother. <laughs> so, uh, so with that, Ben was talking about with your pre-show a little bit and uh, pre-pre-show. We took a little hiatus over the summer, uh, give everybody a little bit of a break. And you know, now that we're getting ready to get into Labor Day weekend, I know for different areas of the country, things are different uh, for the, the seasons. And the seasonality of Ocean City is it, we, we kind of ramp up in the spring, crazy all summer. The last big hurrah is this um, upcoming weekend. And then there's the peaks and valleys after that, and it kind of dies off again. But it's become more and more of a year-round resort. And I was um, I was talking to somebody from a firefighter from uh, South Carolina today, and they're very far inland. And to them, whether it's you know January or July, it's kind of the same routine. They don't have any influx. And to me, that was really weird. Even growing up in it, because you your school schedule was based around tourist season, everything was based around it. So Scott, how are how are things the same and different out there in Colorado? Cause I know you have different times a year where people come out there to enjoy all your natural resources and do stuff, but what's, what's a typical summer for you like, because I, I do not see any ocean in your background there. So I'm just kind of curious what it's like out there in the mountains.
3: No, there is, there isn't a, isn't much of an ocean out here. And you know, we're being suburban where we are. We don't have a whole lot of change in our demographic seasonally. Um, The mountain towns, certainly they get influx. They'll get a big influx in the summer and then it'll kind of die down and they'll get another big influx in the winter for skiing and that sort of stuff. Um, But where we're at, it it doesn't, honestly, it doesn't change much. The only thing that'll ramp up is anywhere from probably April to May on through probably November, we get into the wildland season. So um, I don't know how good the picture is behind me there, but if you can see my pasture there is pretty dry at the moment. Well, It was until about an hour ago. It's been raining since then. But before that, um, it's been getting pretty dry. So this year, we haven't had any big fires in state as yet. Whereas last week, um, for anybody that watches the national stuff or pays attention to the wildland realm, we had the Cameron Peak Fire was probably the biggest we had in Colorado. And then there were some other ones. Um, I got to go up there for a couple of two-week stints. I just got back uh, about three weeks ago from a two-week stint up in Wyoming Um, I wasn't actually assigned to a fire. Uh, We joke around and basically we were up there to make sure that the Forest Service guys got some vacation. So We were covering one of their areas um, probably a couple hundred square miles. Um, We were covering up around uh, the Medicine Bow National Forest basically. So We were on a a small type six so a brush rig for you guys. Um, Just three people and then we had a chief and a chase rig just in his ride and we were just cruising around, watching for any starts. We had a couple of small lightning starts, um, but nothing real significant that we dealt with, but we've had crews out. We've got one additional brush trucker type six in our station that does nothing but deploy to wildland fires. And it went out the last week of June, and it hasn't been in quarters more than two days since then um, until this week. It's just getting some repairs done, some upgrades, and it'll probably go back on the board next week and I would bet it'll be out the door
2: within two days of going on the board. And it's kind of wild because I know you have a ton of wildland urban interface out there where, you know, Ocean City, what's our biggest wildland urban interface? I think it's that little patch of trees behind a 94th Street Mall. Um, but <laughs> yeah, but one of uh, one of the things I did, I've asked you before, Scott, and I'm actually going to ask you for the benefit of one of our viewers, uh, brother Mike Hickman, that we work with in Ocean City. I know there really is a South Park, Colorado. And yes, there I, is and. Can, can you talk about that for a second? How close is it to the cartoon? Because I've got to ask this for Brother Hickman, and he'll he'll appreciate your response.
3: <laughs> you know, um, some of the downtown shots, it doesn't look that dissimilar. It is an older, there you go. It is an older mountain town. Um, it's kind of a cool little place. I actually, funny story, I actually went through paramedic school in 98 with two guys from South Park. And they said it, you know, opposite ends of their, uh, their ramp, they had signs that said South Park Ambulance. And they said that that was probably the biggest uh, line item in their budget was to pro- replace those signs because they got stolen on an almost daily basis.
2: <laughs> uh, well, I don't know if Mr. Hickman has ever been to South Park, Colorado, but we need to check his uh, his garage and his uh, his bar out back of his house to see if there's a South Park Ambulance sign <laughs> up there. But so uh, now, and I'm sure they get tired of hearing the South Park jokes, but I, I did. I asked Scott. I'm like, "Dude, is there really a South Park?" And he's like, "Yes, there's a South Park." And then he you know, regaled me with the story. So,
3: yeah, I think yeah. that's actually where the two guys are from, or at least they spent some time there to uh, just play off that. And you know, there's, I'd say, some of the characters are probably typecast after people in town. They just, you can see that uh, that stereotype that lives up there in some of them. So.
2: Well, I, just, I just want to come out there and go hunting with Ned and Jim Bob. Those are, those are the two I want. <laughs> well,
3: I don't know about those two, but, you know, the invitation's always open to come out and do some hunting with me. So,
2: Okay, well, challenge accepted. Don't threaten us with a good time. But, uh, you know, that, that's what's kind of different. I'll get um, – because, you know, obviously I've, I've been removed from it for a little while. But, um, you know, when Memorial Day weekend would come around, it was like, up oh, you know, welcome to the freak show. Here we go. It's just going to be heads down. So, um, yeah, you know, from a professional and personal standpoint, how are you guys this summer? Would you get any leave time? Did you get a chance to kick back and relax? And I know there was a couple of crazy calls that made national news uh, for Ocean City, but there were probably, uh, you know, several others that didn't. So, uh, how how did you guys fare in the summer in, in the you know the high on ramp off ramp world that you guys live in up there?
3: <laughs> well, uh, we've had we've had some good. Uh some good, we call them cutters, but some good entrapments. Uh, we've got a couple of highways running through our district. So we've had a, a couple of pretty significant extrications, um, some stuff like that. Uh haven't had a whole lot in the way of fires this year, um, but been running, like I said, our brush truck's been out. So that, uh, that being a small single station department, we've got six people on per day. So total of 18 full timers. So when we deploy three or even four of them on a wildland that puts a serious crimp in our uh, staffing model. So a lot of overtime, guys have been really working a lot of that stuff lately. Um, yeah, I'd say that's that's really the biggest stuff we've had going on this year. Um, not a lot of other significant events, but just that, uh, just kind of steady. We've had an uptick, our, uh, our call volume actually went down a little bit last year with COVID and everybody locked down, people just weren't getting out as much and doing as much. And that has definitely reversed. We're on pace to be probably the busiest year in our history this year. So um, we're definitely picking up on our call volume. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's kind of where we're at. Um, we've had some protocol changes recently as far as the EMS side of things. Uh, some of that you guys may have seen. It made the national news. Not that far north of us, some Aurora paramedics got in trouble with some other uh, – with some police officers related to some – Medication administration that may or may not have been appropriate. And, um, well, it's definitely that went right to the state, considering uh, we've got pretty much one party rule out here that went straight up to the governor and they changed all of our protocols. So we lost some pretty good tools out of that, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, as the fire service does, we'll adapt and overcome.
2: Absolutely. How about you, Ben and Bobby? How was your summers?
0: (laughs) Hey, Bobby. Um,
1: it, it's sad to say cause I'm a firefighter, but I'm going to say this uh, last year was very weird for me because the lockdown severely affected us at work. Um, uh, though we did have lots of COVID cases in the wintertime overall, our call volume was, was a lot lower. Uh, this year has been unhinged <laughs> and, and back to what I would call maybe above our normal, uh, crazy calls. But the, you know, as a firefighter, um, I like the challenge of going to calls again. So we definitely have a slowdown. So uh, we've had a pretty uh, busy uh, summer for us. Um, And it's been a a lot. We had a little bit of heavy surf up here. we had, unfortunately, we had some some drownings and things like that. Uh, We did have the Route 90 bridge incident that everyone talked about. Um, uh, We had a a gentleman that jumped off a 30 foot bridge into four foot of water and rescued a baby, um, which is a very, very cool thing. Uh, but Jonathan Bowers, the guy that was the hero in that thing, not really the fire department, you know, we did respond and do that. But um, we had that going on. Uh, we're gearing up for the fall. Um, I don't, Trevor, are you up here? Did you have h oi when you were up here at all? So we have little import cars that comes in and they kind of challenge the police department and lots of violence and stuff like that. Uh, hopefully it's not as bad this year, but they're ramping up like it's going to be. Uh, we have bike week coming in town. Uh, They're predicting that our bike week is going to be the largest bike week they've ever had um, because people are trying to get out, you know? And uh, so um, we've been busy and and exciting. uh, As it was when you left, Trevor, our shoulder seasons are getting busier and busier and busier all the time. Uh, I live up here in Delaware, and the the, the construction up here is probably rivals what the the 1990s Atlanta growth was. Um, It's just insane. You're just building tens of thousands of houses and, you know, people working on lines that are actually moving into our area. So our, our population has gone through the roof. Not in Ocean City because it's pretty much built out. Like Trevor said, there's not there's not any land left to build in Ocean City. So unless you tear something down, you're not building anything else. Um, but uh, it's trickling into us at probably 15 or 20% a year of people that come into Ocean City for day trips and stuff from Delaware and things like that. So um, I like being busy. So, for me, it's been a good thing. It got me doing things and, and, and running calls again. I love that. Um, you know, I don't like to see bad things happen to people, you know, but I do like be running calls and making a difference. So, uh, it's been a fun summer. What, what do you think about your first summer there, a rookie? It's been good.
0: It's been good. I um, So, prior to going full-time for Ocean City, I was, um, you know, really just on fire-based EMS. So if, if we would go on a medical assist or have something like that, I was coming off the engine to do uh, ALS skills and and provide patient care. So I really wasn't on the ambulance a whole lot. Um, but with coming to Ocean City full time, it, it has been a change and back on the unit, uh, back on the medic unit uh, full time, and um, it's amazing how fast that stuff comes back. Um, you know, I think me probably being a little bit more critical of myself. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff that I need to work on to get back up to where I want to be. Um, but it, it is definitely something that I have missed. Um, you know, like Bobby said, running the calls, being busy. Um, so it's it's nice coming back. It's nice to be busy. Um, so yeah, I've, I've been enjoying it. I've been enjoying it. I started an IV on a, on a lady the other day. It was probably a month ago now.
2: Hey, Ben, there's a fire show, but go ahead.
0: You know, I can make you disappear, right? I know. Okay. Um, but started an IV on a lady the other day and told her, I said, would you be surprised if, the, if I told you this was the first time I've ever done that? And she said, no, it's not. I looked up at my partner. I said that first time in two years, maybe. <laughs> so, uh, but no, it's, it's nice to be back. It, it's fun. Um, you know, in, in my hiatus, I definitely miss the people of ocean city. So it's great to be back and see those folks. Um, and I'm excited for for the 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 outside of work stuff as well. Um, you know, it's a it's a different schedule uh, that I that I um, am working now. So working that 24 hours and then having the three days off is great to be home, get stuff done around the house, and spend more time with my family that I wouldn't have had otherwise. So I'm exceptionally uh, grateful for the opportunity to come to Ocean City and and to be back in the back in the swing of things.
2: Hey, hey Ben, does uh, Ocean City still have that uh, paramedic exchange program with the Australian government?
0: Uh, I think that's going to be coming back in about another uh, 11 months or
2: so. As soon as you're off probation? Yes. <laughs> yeah, um, Yeah. you might You might want to tell some of the folks that might not be familiar with that because I've got a bunch of things I can say on that topic. But um, Yeah, we're going to hold off if... on that. Go ahead with it.
0: No, we're going we're gonna to hold off on that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you can. I don't know what you're talking about.
2: <laughs> well played sir well played <laughs>
0: um so we're we're coming up on an hour we've got about we're at about 50 minutes uh one of the other things that we wanted to touch on tonight was um and i, th- I think we kind of talked about it uh when we were talking about 9-11 is the coordination between agencies and talking about um the interoperability and all working together um and i know some of the folks i, I know trevor went down um, i don't know about bobby or scott um But 16 years ago, um, earlier this week was the anniversary of Hurricane Katrina, happened to be the same time that Hurricane Ida, uh, which was a, I think it was a uh, Category 4 hurricane, which is a little bit larger uh, than what Hurricane Katrina was, uh, made landfall around the same area where Katrina did. Um, Luckily, that area, um, they took the lessons that they learned from Katrina, reinforced their levees, had some other infrastructure um, that was put up and, and, uh, to protect them a little bit better. So I don't know that the devastation was quite as bad, but let's talk about, um, you know, the, the incidents, uh, and the, um, everything with Katrina and then, you know, how that helped, you know, expand and, and help that, um, interoperability.
2: Sure. Um, yeah, I had the opportunity to be deployed down there uh, with with the city and you know, for quite a while. And we were part of the Maryland task force that was assigned down there in Operation Lifeline. And um, you know, lots of lots of experience, lots of ex- uh, stories to tell, lots of lessons learned. But uh, some things even even more so than what you learn from a fire department or public safety organization perspective, you learn from a personal perspective, because. In the Mid-Atlantic, we're not immune to hurricanes in any way, shape, or form. I mean, um, and especially northeast storms for us are sometimes just as devastating, if not more so, because they last for so long. But I, yeah, I recall, you know, getting within 250 miles of um, New Orleans, and there weren't signs. The there was debris. There were no street signs. So it's not like you can say, "Oh, let's look for Exit 25," because there's no sign that says Exit 25. Um, and you know GPS wasn't as sophisticated as it is uh, you know, today, obviously, so you look at some of those things like GIS mapping, even in your own, uh, in your own department, or you know, taking something as simple as a stencil on the curb by your house, because your, your siding might be gone, your address board on your house or the stickers might be gone, but something more permanent. And that was a big deal that came about as well. I um, you know, down where I work in um, it, the, the department of South Florida, we have the concrete posts that you see everywhere. So they withstand um, the weather a lot more and, and the flooding. But at the same time, the GIS mapping has really become something um, important for us through our uh, county IT and locally that, you know, if, if we need to bring resources in, if I, if I need Bobby and Ben and Scott and you guys are from all different areas of the country, I can give you a coordinates of where my fire station is versus trying to give you um Roadmap directions, if if you will. So those are some really, um, you know, besides being able to do multi-level coordination, and uh, you know, also be able to talk, you know, again in the same language and work with all these different agencies, is really the the lessons you look at and say, all right, we're reliant on ourselves, and we come for it to be at least self-sufficient for those first three days, and. There was a lot of criticism um, of the FEMA response and there was a lot of praise to it. And I, I tell the story of four houses where there was four um, kind of like the, what we call like the shotgun style houses down that way. And one right next to the other. And the, the first one, there's a guy with a big uh, plywood sign that's been spray painted that says, need help. You know, and I had these all these ex- expletives on it. And he's literally sitting out on his front stoop with devastation. Drinking a 40 ounce. He just kind of said, Hell with it. You know, when help gets here, it gets here. And then next door to that, you have a, a, a gentleman who was disabled in a wheelchair who's trying to clean up his, his yard and get back to some sense of normalcy. And next door to that house was his neighbor who was coming over to help him first and you know, then then take care of his stuff. And then you had the fourth house, which they looked like the hurricane barely hit them because they had just been, you know, very self-sufficient and taking care of themselves. So just four houses in a neighborhood side by side had four very different internal and personal responses to their own devastation and tragedy. And just like we see today, um, you know, in a lot of things that are polarized, there were some things that we would see on little snippets of information that we could get um, that were very, very different than what we were experiencing on the ground there. So a lot of things would get sensationalized, a lot of things getting reported back for whatever purposes on you know, every end of the spectrum. Um, and, you know, it, it always tickles me when you see the newscaster talking about the massive flooding, which there was, but he say, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm standing here in the flooding. And then you, you know, you watch, um, he's talking about people uh, or he's, I'm sorry, he's sitting in a canoe talking about flooding and there's someone walking in ankle deep water behind him. It's like, dude, come on. You know, let's, let's just stop the hysteria and, you know, get to helping these people and getting in the information they need. But um, yeah, I mean, Ben, I think that, you know, looking at that from an anniversary perspective, it also uh, made communities a little more self-sufficient because it takes time to mobilize things, no matter how good or efficient or well-prepared you are, it takes time to get people and resources down on the ground. And, you know, of course we, we drove down there, but now you'll hear FEMA say the first 72 is on you. And there's much more of a push. Uh, in the in the community I'm serving in, we just put in a community a community emergency supply cache to bridge that gap because we have a lot of um, older residents who might not might not have the food, water, and everything else stored if they choose not to evacuate. But also because of some physical limitations, they're not able to host cases of water and all these different things. So we actually have a, a shipping container that's been designated um, and secured that we could have, um, you know, like 500 cases of water immediately available. Um, so many uh, cases of MREs, other supplies, uh, charging cords that can go into generators for people's cell phones. So that way we're not sitting there, you know, banging our fist on the table saying, where's the federal government? Where's the state government? Where's the county government? When it gets to us, it gets to us, but we saw this with the, um, with the COVID vaccines. They were trying to roll that out and you know, good, bad or indifferent. But then there was a lot of communities that were identified as being underserved that they said, well, look, you know, these people don't have a pharmacy within you know, several miles of their house. And it's not like they can walk down to the Rite Aid or the CVS or the Publix or Walgreens and get a vaccine. So there were some, some things that were moved from here and taken over there. And of course, people get upset over that and say, well, hold on. You know, why are you taking it away from us? And it's kind of hard sometimes to convince people when You've got three cars in in your driveway, and you you're you're living in a 2,600 square foot house minimum, and all these things that you're and you have all the conveniences within walking distance. That you're an underserved community, so that's where we have to say, look, you know, let's let's not get into uh, the cat fights over all this. Let's be able to be self sufficient as individuals, as neighborhoods, as communities, and then when the resources come in to backfill that. Then that's great, but don't sit there and throw your hands up in the air, and and that's what uh, we did see when we went down to um, the New Orleans area. There there were some people who would embrace us right away and say, "Oh, thank God you're here! Thank you for coming down to help." And there's other people that were irately pissed and saying, "Because we quote unquote represented a government, um, you know what took you so long? How come you haven't been to this neighborhood before? Why you know and." we were just, we just went to where we were told to go. It wasn't, we had no choice in the matter. So, um, yeah, I think those are all good lessons learned. Um, you know, we're still going to have natural disasters, whether it's in the middle of the country or excuse me in mountain time, um, or whether it's on the East coast, West coast, wherever it might be. So, um, you know, the, the big thing is, is the self-sufficiency and and taking the lessons learned out of stuff. So with that, Ben, I know we're kind of getting to the witching hour. Um, you know, I don't know if you're going to send it around the horn again, or the, or we're going to stop here. But I'm going to pitch it over to uh, I'll pitch it back to you, Ben, and you can take it from here.
0: All right. Yeah. So we're 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 at the hour. Um, so let's wrap this up. Um, and whatever final pearls from um, you know anything you know the the topics that we've talked about tonight, or anything in general that that you want to share uh, with currently have three people watching. Um but that we want to share with those folks before we head out tonight. Um we'll go ahead and, and get going with that. Bobby wanna lead us off? Bobby always has some good pearls.
1: Oh ah, he does. Uh it falls coming up and uh the holiday season's coming up. I hope everybody stays safe. Um I hope everybody enjoys their family and gets out and sees people for all the lockdown we had. I wasn't trying to ignore you, Scott. I was using the It's it's for something on the East Coast we call bugs. Um, You don't see them up there, so we have to use this every now and then. (laughs) Um, But thanks for coming on the show. We really do appreciate it, love the backdrop. Uh, I just was out in Colorado Springs a little while ago and unfortunately for a memorial, my wife's family's from out there. Uh, What a beautiful area of the country. My God, I had no idea. Uh, my, My sister lives in Buena Vista uh, but it, it was a different kind of beautiful out there in that area. You really are a living part of God's country out there. So uh, you stay, stay safe out there, my friend, and uh, thanks for coming on the show. And uh, you want to wrap up and give us uh, your, your last nuggets?
3: Sure. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate you inviting me on. Um, it's been good talking with all of you. Yeah, um, you know, we're talking about the uh, self, self-sufficiency and all that. You know, if a hurricane hits out here, y'all better get to church or something because really bad things are happening. But uh, we've got the wildland side of it. You know, Trevor says three miles away to the Walgreens. Well, the nearest grocery store for me is 12 miles, and that's the first eight of its dirt. So, um, you know, it's definitely a different little mindset. Like you said, Um, I definitely enjoy it out here. I love growing up back east, but it is God's country out here. So we've just got a, a little bit of different set of problems here. You know we're definitely, I wouldn't say this is an urban interface, but we're definitely in a wildland realm where I'm sitting at. And we've got that wildland urban all around us. So a little bit of different problem, but a lot of the same kind of aspects, that self-sufficiency. We go up on these wildland fires, we see the same stuff. One guy's out there, he's been wetting down his lawn, and you know his house is good. He's got that defensible space. And then you've got other ones that, like you said, they got this big sign. They're just out there waiting for somebody to come help them because they'd have no idea how to do it themselves. So you get a little bit of everything. And the faces change. Yeah, we've heard it at FDIC, same circus, different clowns, and they apply it to us, but you know what? It it happens to the communities as well. We all have the same community, just a little different spin on it. Thanks, Scott. Trevor?
2: All right. Uh, yeah, definitely want to thank everybody for uh, tuning in, whether it's live or uh, I know a lot of folks look at this later on and uh, thank all of you for being here tonight. It's good to see everybody's faces and get to chat and catch up a little bit. Um, you know, Scott, you especially, it's great to you know, be able to catch up with you. And it's always nice to get perspectives from different areas of the country, too, because you know, we, we chew a lot of the same dirt. Um, we have a lot of the same issues and problems and challenges. But then there's some things that are very unique. Um, and it's nice to be able to look through someone else's lens and, and just get a fresh perspective on stuff. So, um, you know, Scott, stay safe out there and uh, you know, enjoy that beautiful backdrop that you're in. And I'm, I'm hoping that when you get that uh, barn put up and the uh, clandestine brewery established there, uh, you may well have to come out and, and check it out for you. But uh, you know, thank you, everybody. And again, uh, you know, have a very, very safe Labor Day weekend. Enjoy it with your family, your friends, your loved ones. And, uh, you know, when 9-11 comes out, you know, maybe reach out to some of these other folks because, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of things kind of get stirred up again, and it might be a good opportunity just to, you know, reach out and let everybody know you're thinking about them. So with that, Ben, thanks for coordinating this, and I'll kick it off to you.
0: Thanks, sir. Um, again, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Scott, it was nice to meet you. Um, hope we have you back soon. Um, Sounds so good. As, as we wrap up, we'll be back in two weeks. Uh, so that is... November or September, uh, was that sixteenth? I think. Um, watch the website. Watch the watch the Facebook. Uh, all the social media stuff. This is going to go online uh, as a podcast tomorrow. Um, so if you miss tonight, uh, you always have the the ability to go back and listen to it later. Um, so again, check our social media for that. Um, one of the things that we kind of talked about throughout the the show tonight was having that self-sufficiency. So, you know, as you're, as you're getting ready to go to work tomorrow or you're at work now, um, you know, for every shift, for whatever you're doing, make sure that you're making yourself more self-sufficient. So you're not a, you're not a liability for your brothers, your partners, whoever you're working with Um, you make yourself harder to kill. And then it, it makes your makes you better for your partners too. So um, try and keep, try and keep that in the back of your mind, try and do something to make yourself better every day. Uh, before we finally click off here, cheers, guys, one last time. And we're going to hold them up for a second. We're going to hold them up for the three, the thirteen um, members of the military that were killed in Afghanistan this past week. May they rest in peace, and we will. We hopefully we don't see them soon, but um, that their families get some some comfort from from that. So, cheers, everybody. Have a great night. Stay safe.